Here we go. Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off on the top of page 12a, first chapter in Yuma. So we said we reconcile one, but I said says that these synagogues could be condemned. And one said this can't be condemned. So he answered that it depends. If the synagogue is in a big city, on the Upper East Side, then it, then it belongs to everyone. It can't be condemned. A lot of people use it, but if it's a small village, a small little shtetl, then it could be condemned. Synagogues of big cities do not, are not condemned, not be condemned and become uh, uh, with, with leprosy. It says, the Titus says that the, the leprosy that's in Achuzaschim in your inheritance, Achuzaschim, Matam ben Goyim, Vein Yerushalayim, Matam ben Goyim. In Yerushalayim, you don't have the idea of, 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 of Nega. The house cannot be condemned as, a, uh, as, as leprosy. Because why? Because Yerushalayim is not your inheritance. Yerushalayim belongs to the entire Jewish people, the collective Jewish people. No, no tribe inherited, only the portions of Israel that were inherited. Only there do you have Nagoyim. It's only in the land of Israel, but only in the parts of Israel that was inherited by individual tribes. Yerushalayim is a collective well, it wasn't city. Our bias, half in Binyomen and half in. Well, very good. One second. We're getting there. Very good. I only heard only the place of the base of Migdash itself, the Temple Mount. Right. There, there's no Nega. Definitely. But the rest of Yerushalayim there is, including the synagogues. About the Knesses, about the Midrashas, Metamin. In Yerushalayim, it's surely a krach, it's a busy city, it's the capital, it's the nerve center of the Jewish people. And nevertheless, he says, anywhere in Yerushalayim you do have neg, including including the uh, the shuls. Neg is leprosy. Leprosy, yeah. Yeah, okay. Even though it's krachim, how can you say that krachim synagogues will not, not become leprosy? I'm answering Say that Yehuda says not makim migdash, the place of the Beis Hamikdash, a place that's holy which includes the Temple Mount, but it also includes all the synagogues and all the houses of study. Because it's a big city, and therefore it belongs to everyone. It doesn't belong to any individual, to any, so therefore there's no leprosy. If you see leprosy, it doesn't have, you can't condemn it, it doesn't have the laws of leprosy. Hmm. <clears throat> What's he arguing? Why is he only asking now Micah Mifligi? He says, before, he doesn't ask. Before, we understand what the argument in Rabbi Huda and the rabbis. What's the argument? Because the rabbis hold... The distinction between Yerushalayim, the reason why Yerushalayim, there's no negative, there's no leprosy, because the whole entire Yerushalayim is holy in the sense that you get to eat all the sacrifices. The Kachim Kalim could be eaten anywhere in Yerushalayim. You know, from the peace offerings and the, uh, the Thanksgiving offerings, we eat anywhere in Yerushalayim. Maishu Shani is anywhere in Yerushalayim. So since it's designated for holiness, so therefore it's not considered your inheritance. Not, it, it belongs to the entire Jewish people. It is, it's a special sanctity. Rabbi Yehuda says, no. Only in the temple itself, the temple we allowed to eat, the kachik kachik, 
which is only in the courtyard, in the temple itself, but the rest of Yerushalayim does become impure. And how much more so synagogues? If the rest of Yerushalayim are allowed to eat sacrifices, nevertheless it becomes, uh, becomes uh, lepers. Surely the synagogues in Yerushalayim become lepers. That's the way the Gemara understood it before, and that's why he asked the question. So you see that even synagogues in, in metropolitan areas, like Yerushalayim, does become leprous. The fact that it's, that it's a synagogue and belongs to everyone, the collective, doesn't matter. So the Gemara answers, no. The reason is, Rabbi Yehuda, is because he says, Mokim Makudr. Not Mokim Migdash. He's saying including the synagogue. That even the synagogues do not become lepers. Any place that's holy, any place that's designated for holiness, like the temple, and the synagogues not become lepers. So now you can say the reason of the rabbis who argue is because Yerushalayim is sacred and, and uh, because you eat sac- holy sacrifices there, Maish Hashemi, the second item. Because if that's the case, why, then he wouldn't say Makkah Makudash, because according to that's the reasoning of the rabbis also. He also the reason why Jerusalem is exempt because it's a Makkah Makudash, it's holy, it's sacred, it's designated as a it's a it's a holy sanctuary, it's a holy place, you're allowed to eat sacrifices there. <coughs> so that's why he's asking, what are they arguing about then? And obviously that can't be the reasoning behind their argument. So what are they arguing about? Mother explains, Tanakama Sava Yerushalayim was not divided amongst the amongst the tribes. It belongs collectively to the entire Jewish people. Therefore, it's not a chuzaschem. No, Yerushalayim was divided amongst the tribes, Binyamin and Yehuda. So it is included in Achuzaschem. It says anywhere in your inheritance, the land of Israel, you have, you have leprosy. Taisva yeah. says what well, we know very well, famous except for Harbat Bias where Hashem's sanctity never left exactly. even to this day not, not simple but we, we said Taisva asked what do you mean we know that the it says the uh, the uh, Mizbeach the altar had a base but the base only covered the uh, western side of the altar and the northern side of the altar and it, just, it jutted out a little from the west, it jutted out a little to the uh, south, and from the north, it jutted out a little to the east. But that's it. But the corner, the southeastern corner, there was no base. Hmm. What do you Why? mean by base? The altar. Yeah, the step. The, the altar was on the base. Uh-huh. You know, if you see, I don't have a picture here, but uh, we have picture books of the altar. You can see it, the base. It wasn't in the ground, the base. It was a platform on top of the platform. But the platform did not jut out from the altar only on the western side and the northern side. And then the little strip from the uh, northern side, it's a little strip jutted out on the eastern side and from the west, a little strip. But the rest of the base, well, there was no base. It was like... The altar, and and it was aligned with the altar. So in the in the corner, in the south, south, uh, southeast corner, there was no base. Why? What was the reason? It says because the altar was only in the inheritance in the portion of Benjamin. 
says Binyamin Zev Yitra. Yaakov referred to Binyamin, he compared him to a wolf. Like a wolf uh, eats up its, its, its you know, its prey, so the altar eats up its sacrifices. So the altar had to be in the parsh, portion of Benjamin. But that, but that portion where there was no altar, where there was no base jutting out, because that portion belonged to Judah. <laughs> so we see clearly that, that even in the temple itself, it, it was divided amongst the tribes, in Binyamin. And, and he can say that they argue that according to this opinion, according to the opinion that it wasn't divided, there was a base in all four corners. Clearly that it wasn't the base. According to everyone, there was no base jutting out you know, in the, in the south side and, the, and, the, uh, and, and in the eastern side. So he said, hey, this opinion would say, he wouldn't give that reason, he would say, this is halacha, they learned from Moshe Messina, they learned. It says everything they built in the base of Migdus, they built by divine inspiration. So they were told to do this. Why? We don't know why. That's just the way it is. That reasoning would not apply according to this opinion. If Yerushalayim was not divided amongst the tribes, and this reason why there was no strip doesn't make sense, because not Yehuda inherited, not Binyamin inherited. So it would be, it would be just because Hashem said so, we don't know why. Okay. And, and this argument, this argument whether Yerushalayim was divided amongst the tribes or not, but put it down this is like the other argument we find amongst the Tanoim. What, did, what was part of the inheritance of Yehuda? Harabai is a temple mount, Alishkes, and the chambers, Vazaris, and the courtyards. And which portion belonged to Binyamin? The Ulam. Ulam, the foyer of the temple, the Hechel, the temple itself, the inner chamber of the temple, the inner room of the temple. And a portion went out, a little strip went out from the portion of Yehuda and entered into the portion of Binyamin. And the Mizbeach was built on that portion of Yehuda. Binyamin Atzadik was upset. He wanted to swallow it up. And then it says, was rubbing him all day. It rubbed him the wrong way all day. Huh. Which portion? Not the whole altar. The whole altar belonged to Binyamin's portion. Like he said, the court outside the courtyards all belonged to Yahweh. One strip. That was the strip of the altar, the, the, the southern side and the eastern side. And especially the south- southeast corner that had no base jutting out, the base was uh, was flush yeah. with the altar itself. So because because that strip belonged to Yehuda, and Binyam was upset. He wanted to have the whole <laughs> every part of the every part surrounding the altar. Therefore, Binyam merited that the ark was in his portion. Since he bothered them so much, mm-hmm. he wanted so much that the entire Mizbeach should be in his portion. So he merited the bank safe of Shachin. Hmm. What do you mean? But he said the Kedush HaGadoshim was part of Yehuda. No, it was Binyamin. Oh, oh, oh Binyamin, yeah. Yeah, Binyamin, yeah. Between his shoulders, yeah. The Holy Holy was in Binyamin's territory,
Right. So, the, so, so, the court. When he said the courtyards, it didn't mean he means as a Israel, as a snashim, the, the women's courtyard, the Israel courtyard, until the mizbeach. Starting with the mizbeach, that already belonged to Binyamin. Except that that strip, that that strip that didn't have the base jutting out, that uh, that belonged to Yehuda. So Binyamin merited that the Aaron should be in his portion. Hmm. And we can say it says a bank safe of Shachim. Between his shoulders Hashem rests. He's in in the, in his portion. Okay. So the and so did so <laughs> but so that's one Tana. But then there's another Tana in their whole. The entire Jerusalem was not divided amongst the tribes. You're not allowed to rent that house in Yerushalayim. It's not yours to rent. You don't own it. It belongs collectively. It's, it's a kibbutz. It belongs collectively. The whole Jewish people. You can't even rent out a bed. It's not yours to rent out. You can't make money of it. Therefore, the skin that was flayed from the holy, even the sacrifices that were burnt offerings, but the skin, you know, you get to keep. The hides. So, the owners of the house, the hostess, the, those who hosted you would take it by force. Because they're not getting any other pay. <laughs> so at least they got this. They're, they're hosting you, they're feeding you, they're giving you a bed, they're giving you their place. You know, the people living in Yerushalayim have to accommodate all, all these people. So they took the, okay, we're not, you're not asking, we can't rent it out to you, we can't make any money, but we're going to take your hide, the hide of the, of the, of the sacrifices. Enough from here we see, it's, it's the way, the right thing to do. When you're being hosted, you're a guest in someone's house, leave him, gulfa, the... Uh, Jars, drugs, or mishcha and hide. That's a way of paying him, a way of tipping, giving him a nice present, a nice gift. Okay, so we see there's an argument amongst the rabbis whether Jerusalem was divided or not divided. And that's the argument between Rabbi Yehuda and the rabbis. I'm assuming that everyone agreed you couldn't rent out your home because either they were weren't renting out their homes. The question is why? I mean, the opinion that holds it was divided. They said you could rent out your home? Yeah, why not? Yeah, so what did they? Who did they follow? Yeah, so the host, the host followed the opinion that says you could rent it out, <laughs> and the guest says, "No, I hold like the opinion that you can." Maybe Jerusalem was one of the Levite cities. No. Possibility? No, no, no. No, not okay. a chance. Not a chance. Okay. He says. You're telling me for certain that the synagogues that belong in the little villages that are in the little villages do could be condemned with uh, with leprosy. But when did the Nagoyim begin? Only after the Jewish people conquer the land of Canaan. If they conquered, but they didn't yet divide the land, it took 14 years. Seven years they conquered, and seven years they divided. So what if after seven years when they first conquered, they didn't have yet a chance to divide it? 
Even if they divided it, the Chalkel Beisava is to the tribes. But the tribes didn't have a chance to divide it amongst the different families. Chalkel Beisava is even if they're already divided amongst the families. But the families itself didn't apportion each individual which portion he gets. How do we know that? There's no nega, there's no leprosy. Tamalim, it says, it has to be designated to you. As long as it's not designated to you, there is no leprosy. So therefore, a synagogue, even if it belongs in the village, even in the village, but since it's not designated to one individual, it's designated to the community. A small community, a little shtetl, what difference does it make? It's dedicated to the minion, the whole ten of them. So therefore, you can't, it can't be a nega. Hmm. So therefore, the only answer, the only proper answer we have. So this answer is refuted. You cannot distinguish between a synagogue belong in a, in a big, big city, a big town synagogue, big city, or in a small village. There's no difference. Neither of them have nega. Hmm. You have to differentiate, like the first answer. If there's a, if there's a sleeping accommodations in the shul, if there's sleeping accommodations in the shul, so it's a house. Therefore, there is nega. If there's no sleeping accommodation in the shul then uh, any synagogue does not have any nega. Huh. Okay. When did all that end? Time out. When did all that end? Today, only in the times of the base of Mignosh. Today we don't have that whole concept. The whole thing was miraculous. And even then it was very rare. You had to be in a very high level. But when did it end? About the second temple ever? When there was no base of Mignosh. When there was no base of Mignosh. Maskin Lekeinach, and they would prepare another koyin, a deputy. Take, be in the wings, wait in the wings and be ready to take over. If the Kayin God became disqualified before the service even began, so the first thing he would do, the deputy is he would bring the Thomas Shacha, the daily morning sacrifice, and that would that would educate him, that would inaugurate him. But if it happened after already the Kayin God brought the morning sacrifice. How do you inaugurate him? You have to have inaugurate him. How does he become a Kayin Gadol? By wearing the belt. By wearing the belt. In other words, the fact that he puts on the clothes of the Kayin Gadol. And what was the clothes of the Kayin Gadol? All four garments of the Kayin Gadol. And Yom Kippur, he only wore four garments. He took off the golden vestments from the eight. And he left with the four garments. But all of them had to be of linen. Even the belt was made of linen. So it would already distinguish him from a regular koyin. A regular koyin, there was no difference in Yom Kippur and the rest of the year. So a regular koyin's belt was a mixture of wool and linen. The fact that he took off his regular belt by taking over, by the deputy taking over and now functioning as the koyin gadol, he took, over his, took off his regular belt. And he put on the special belt of the Kohen Gadol, which was all of linen. So that distinguished him, that inaugurated him as the Kohen Gadol. Right. So I think, this is all well and good. That the belt of the Kohen Gadol is the same as the belt of the Kohen Hedyeh. In other words, all year round. That the belt of the Kohen Gadol all year round, which is a mixture of wool and linen, is the same as the Kohen Hediyat also was wool and linen. And the Kohen Hediyat, the regular Kohen, there was no difference in Yom Kippur and all year round. So Yom Kippur, he also wore a belt, which is a mixture of wool and linen. The Kohen Gadol, yes. He's not yes. wearing a belt. 
No, it's white. Of course, he's wearing a. Oh, it's all linen. Oh, oh, oh. In Gadol, right? The other one was was colored and yeah, this, yeah. but yeah, but that's. But here, the oh. kain gadol was 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 wool and linen. But on Yom Kippur, the kain gadol took off the belt of wool and linen, and he only wore of linen. So that that makes sense. So that's what inaugurated him. That's what distinguishes him. It makes him into a kain gadol. But according to the opinion, we already learned this earlier, according to the opinion that holds, that all year round, only the Kayan Gadol wore a belt that was a mixture of wool and linen. The regular Kayan, all year round, only, wool, only wore linen. And same as Yom Kippur. So what distinguished the Kayan Gadol, the deputy that now became a Kayan Gadol, the fact that he's wearing a belt of linen, well, there's no difference. Before, he was also wearing a belt of linen. So what distinguishes him? It's the exact identical same four garments that every Kayan wears. So how does he become inaugurated? What distinguishes him as the Kayan God? Well, he's wearing the, the belt that only a Kayan God would wear the whole year, but only a Kayan God would wear that. No, all year the Kayan God would wear a mixture of wool and linen. Only on Yom Kippur the Kayan God would wear only of linen. And the Kayan also wears a all year round he wears a belt of linen. So there's no difference between the four garments of the Kayan God and Yom Kippur and the four garments of a regular Kayan. It's exactly identical, every detail. In the, th- the whole year, the whole year, the whole year lays Avnet, not the Imkip. Rest of the year. Switch and, and wear yeah. like everyone else. Yeah. Uh, I realized I thought maybe he never. Yeah. Wore no. Like no. Him. No. Only in the only in the year. So Michael Meimer, I want to buy it by answers. Levish Meina, he puts on eight. First, he puts on all eight garments. Or Mahapech Betzin and with the with the with the fork, he turns over the meat on the on the altar, right on the limbs. That a czar, someone who's not a Kayan, is not allowed to do the service. If he goes ahead and he does the service, but even if he didn't, what did he do? He just brought it closer to the fire, so it would burn a little quicker. But that's also called a service. Causing it to burn quicker is also a service. So all he has to do is to put on the garments of the Kayan Gadol, all eight garments, and stoke the, and bring the, the meat closer to the fire or burn quicker. So he did something, he did a service as a high priest. Then he can take off the four clothes and actually change his belt and put on a linen belt and then he can go ahead and do the rest of the service of Yom Kippur. The Papa answers, his answer is, we continue on side B, he doesn't have to do anything. The fact that he's doing the service of Yom Kippur, which only a Kayin Gadol could do, that's the inauguration, that inaugurates it. Didn't we learn Moshe Rabbeinu was told to anoint the Mishkan and all the, all the utensils. But it was a one-time deal. It was only then. Going forward, all future temples, all future years, it was only the first time that they had to anoint everything. On the eighth day, and the first day, only then, that was a one-time deal. Afterwards, the fact that you take the utensil and you use it, that inaugurates it. So to hear, the fact that the Kohen Gadol does the service, the deputy now becomes the Kohen Gadol, he does the service that's unique to the Kohen Gadol, so that, that inaugurates him as the Kohen Gadol. He said, he said, we have an argument one of them says that the regular Kayin throughout the year his belt was a mixture of wool and linen one of them says it was all linen 
But I don't know which one said which. <laughs> but the Stayim, I'll bring you a proof that Rebbe, who Rebbe is the one, the said, Shalkaloyim. Rebbe holds at the belt of the regular priest all year, all year round. And Yom Kippur was a mixture of wool and linen. How do we know this? There was no difference between the high priest and the Kain Hadith. The only difference between them was only the Avne. Lazar Rav Shimon says, no, even the Avne. Even the Avne did not distinguish them, it was the same. Now, Amos, wh- wh- when are we talking about it? If you're talking about the rest of the year, there's no distinction between the high priest and the regular Kayin, only the belt. There's a lot of distinctions. The Kayin Gadol wears eight garments. And the regular Kayin only wears four. That's the distinction. The only distinction is the belt. So surely he's not talking about the rest of the year. His question was, in Yom Kippur, when the Koyin Gadol, the high priest, and the regular Koyin are both wearing only four garments, how could you distinguish between the two? So what's the distinction? What does he say? What's the distinction? That the regular Koyin is wearing a belt that's a mixture of wool and linen. Because the regular Koyin wears all year round a mixture of wool and linen. And the Koyin Gadol on Yom Kippur is wearing a belt that's only linen. That's the only distinction. But all year round... The, both the Kayan Gadol and the regular Kayan wears a belt of wool and linen. So we know that's Rebbe's opinion. Rebbe is the one who says that there's no distinction all year round between the Kayan Gadol and the, and, the, and the, when it comes to the belt. Both the belt, the belt of both the Kayan Gadol and the regular Kayan is wool and linen. So Rabbi Lazar is the one who holds, no, that the belt of the Kayan throughout the uh, regular Kayan, throughout the year, and Yom Kippur is, is linen. And that's why he says even the belt doesn't distinguish between them. Because they're exactly identical. On Yom Kippur, the four garments of the high priest and the regular coin are exactly identical. They're, the belt is both, both of them is linen. Because all year round, the regular coin only wears linen. The mother says, no, that's not a proof. Amri, I'll tell you, no, it's not so. Really, he's talking about the rest of the year. He's asking. He's not asking about the four, of course, the, of course, the four garments that the Kayan Gadol wears distinguishes the Kayan Gadol from the regular Kayan. He's asking, when you, you're asking what distinguishes, he's talking about two things that look alike, that are similar. How can I distinguish between the two? If they're not similar altogether, of course, there's no similarity. I don't need to distinguish. It's obvious that this is the Kayan Gadol because he's wearing eight garments. He's only wearing four. Yeah, I don't need to distinguish. When he's asking what distinguishes, when do you need distinguishing? Because it looks very similar. So we're talking about those garments that are similar, the four garments that the Kayan Gadol wears and even the regular Kayan wears. How can I distinguish in those garments the difference? So he says, I could distinguish. Rebbe says, you look at the, gar- the belt. The belt of the Kayan Gadol is a mixture. The belt of the Kayan all year round is only linen. And, and also Yom Kippur only linen. But on Yom Kippur, according to Rebbe, there's no distinction at all. Both the four garments of the Kayan Gadol, the high priest, and the regular Kayan are all linen. And Rebbe Lazar is the one who says no. That you cannot distinguish because the, throughout the whole year, the, both the Kayan Gadol and the regular Kayan 
uh, where uh, uh, the belt is made of uh, wool and linen. And according to Rabbi Lazar, Yom Kippur, also the regular Kohen wheels wool and linen. But on Yom Kippur, you could distinguish between the Kohen Rabbi Lazar, between the Kohen Gadol and the regular Kohen, because the belt of the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur, he changes his belt and it's only linen. Taste was ass. What are you asking? There's a distinction. There's another distinction. Because the hats that the Kayan Gadol wore and the hats that the regular Kayan wore, which is part of the four garments that they were both equal, they both wore hat, was different. The Tayyid even uses a different expression. By the Kayan Gadol, the Tayyid says mitznefes. By the regular Kayan, the Kayan says mikboys. And what's the difference in Mikvizapas and Mikboys? Because Mikboys was much shorter. The Kohen Gadol had a much shorter hat because he, he needed space for the tefillin, he needed space for the tzitz, <laughs> for, the, for the plate on his forehead. So it was much shorter versus the, the regular Kohen had a much larger hat. He had a huge borsalina. He had a much larger hat. So you, so, you, so you could make a distinction. Even on Yom Kippur, you can make a distinction. Forget about the belt. Look <laughs> at the hats. It's different hats. Taisa says no. That's not called a distinction. They're both made of the same material, shorter and shorter and longer, bigger and smaller. That's not a real distinction. Even though this is wider, this is shorter, that's not. And that's why before also he didn't answer. How, how do you inaugurate him? Well, you're inaugurating him by changing his hat. You're putting him out, the special hat of the Kayan Gadol, which is shorter. That's not called inauguration. That's not what. That's not a distinguishing factor. In fact, it's the same material, bigger, smaller, smaller hat, a bigger hat. That doesn't. That doesn't do it. Okay. He also Rabbi when Rabbi came up, he said, the belt of the high priest Everyone holds that the Kain Gadol's belt in him kippur. Everything had to be linen. The rest of the year, everyone holds that the Kohen Gadol's belt was Kalayim, was a mixture of wool and linen. The argument between Rabbi Lazar and, uh, and uh, Rabbi, the argument is above nature, the belt of the Kohen Hedyet. The argument is about the belt of the regular Kohen. But the regular Kohen, there was, no, there was no distinction between the whole year and Yom Kippur, it was the same. That's the argument. One of them says that the belt of the regular Kayan, both a whole year, including Yom Kippur, was only linen, and one says, no, the belt of the regular Kayan, all year, including Yom Kippur, was a mixture of linen. Shereb Yoyman. Oh, he says clearly who says who. There's no doubt, there's no confusion who says who. Rebbe, he spells it out. Shereb Yoyman. That the belt of the regular Kayan was like the Gemara thought in the first place. Was Kalayim. The regular Kayan's belt was a mixture of well, linen all year round, including Yom Kippur. And therefore, when Rebbe said, What distinguishes the Kayan Gadol? It's like the Gemara thought in the first place. He's talking about Yom Kippur. What distinguishes the Kayan Gadol and the regular Kayan Yom Kippur? Because the Kayan Gadol's belt is linen on Yom Kippur, only linen, and the mm-hmm. regular Kayan is like the rest of the year. It's a mixture of well, linen. Mm-hmm. Holds, no. And all year round, the Kohen Gadol, the regular Kohen's uh, belt, including Kip, was only linen. We also learned the Braise, it says, when the Kohen takes out the ash, in the morning you take out, you remove the ash from the altar. Every morning you have to remove the ash from the altar through Masadeshen. 
So it says the Kayan puts on his clothing. And the Taita repeats, he wear it on his clothing. So it's a repetition. But what is it coming to teach me? Because in the beginning of the Pasuk, it would seem that the Kayan only puts on his, his, his shirt and his pants. Maybe to take out the ash, he doesn't have to wear all four garments. Maybe it's enough, the shirt and the pants. So that's why the Taita says, as he has to wear all four garments of Love it. Oh, he has to put on his hat and also the, the belt, the gartel. Before he takes out the ash, he has to put on all four garments. Hmm. He says, no. The Taita is coming to add, He's coming to say that the regular Kayan could put on the clothes that the Kayan Gadol wore in Yom Kippur. He can put on those clothes and use it when he takes out the ash. It's kosher for the regular Kayan to wear it all year round. Because you would think, since the Titus says when the Kayan Gadol finishes his service on Yom Kippur, the Titus says, he leave it there. He should place it there. So maybe it means bury it, hide it, never use it again. So the Pasuk says, Yil you can take those clothes and put, on, put it on and wear it and do the service with it. No problem. Rebbe says, I have two refutations to Rabdais. You can't say that that's what the Pasuk means, that the regular Kayan could use the four garments that the, the high priest used on Yom Kippur and use it when it, to, to remove the ash. You can't say that that's not what the, that's what the Pasuk means. Why? The reason number one, because the Avnet, the belt of the Kayan Gadol on Yom Kippur was linen. But the belt of the regular Kayan all year round is a mixture of linen. See, the Pasuk can't be meaning that you can use the belt of the Kayan Gadol Yom Kippur. How could I use the belt of the Kayan Gadol Yom Kippur? The belt of the Kayan Gadol was linen. The regular Kayan has to put on a belt that's a mixture of linen. So this, surely that's not what the Pasuk means. My second refutation of what Abdais is, Does it make sense? Garments that the high priest, the holiest Jew, wore on the holiest day of the year while he entered into the Holy of Holies? You're going to use to remove ash? Huh. On a regular Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Ella matamid leima yilbar. So what is yilbar? But he agrees with Rab Daisa. He doesn't agree with that. He argues with Rab Yehuda. It's not coming to teach me, because I wouldn't think. Why in the world would I think you only have to wear two garments? They don't accept that whole reasoning. Like any service in the temple, any service you have to have all garments. If you don't wear garments, this service is disqualified. Right? Exactly. So what does it come to teach me? If it doesn't come to teach me that the regular priest could wear the garments of the high priest and do the service all year round, what does it come to teach me? So Rabbi, Rabbi says, you know what it comes to teach me? Even though it's worn out, it's used, it's worn. So as long as it's not tattered, as long as it's not torn, as long as it's not torn. If it's torn, then it's disqualified. But as long as it's not torn, even if it looks a little... Uh, Shmush, well, yeah, used <laughs> and worn... Nevertheless, it's kosher. Rashi brings an explanation that wants to say that maybe that I should use. There's another version that says you should use shakim. In other words, since I'm using it for ash, 
So the clothes that you cook in the kitchen is not the same garments that you use when you serve. Right? When you serve, you wear, you put on a tuxedo. <laughs> See the waiter, he ch- comes with a change of clothing. In the kitchen, he's wearing a shmatas. He comes outside, he's not going to come out with a shmatas. He comes out on a tuxedo. <laughs> so you would think that the four garments, the neat clothes, nice clothes, new clothes, when you're doing the service, Hashem, you're burning the sacrifice, you're the incense, you're burning, lighting the menorah. Then you put on your nice clothes. Here I'm doing work in the kitchen. I'm cleaning out the ashes. So maybe I should wear, I should wear worn out clothes. But Rashi, Rashi rejects that explanation. Rashi says, no, that's not true. He says, it's one thing, there's two parts of taking out the ashes. There's one part when they removed all the ashes and brought it outside of Yerushalayim. Because it piled up, you know, all the burning, all the sacrifices. That, you can wear, that makes sense. That You shouldn't wear the same clothing that you're cooking for your, cooking for your master, that you're serving for your master, you're cooking for your master. Fine. The turmas adeshen that they did in the morning was just a, a, a scoopful. It was a little, a little pan, small amount, yeah. small amount that they put right next to the altar. It was symbolic, it was right? More than right, symbolic. Yeah. So that's not exactly going to get you so dirty. You have to change clothing. You can wear your tuxedo and do it, and fine. You can protect yourself. It's not going to harm you. So you can't say no. You must, you must wear shachim. He's coming to teach me that even if you wear shachim, it's okay. That's. Okay. So you might think, since the Torah says that the clothing or the garments of Aaron have to, and, the, and his sons have to be lechavidos of others, have to be honorable and beautiful, beautiful. So therefore, it has to be totally new. And if it's a little worn, it's already disqualifies it. It's the same as torn. So he's coming to tell me it's not the same as torn. By the way, they would never clean. There was no dry cleaners in the temple. <laughs> Once the garments were used and dirty, never done. That's right. One-time usage. Disposable. One time, not, no, they used it for holy things. They would use it to, 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 they wouldn't just throw it out in the garbage. No, no, no. From the pants of the Koyin, they would make the wicks for the Simchas Beis Sheva. They would use it. more than one, till it was dirty, right? Till it was dirty, but, but uh, right, till it was torn, dirty. No, but once it was dirty, there was no washing. No laundry, no washing. No, that's it. Yeah. No dry cleaning, no laundry, that's it. Wow, that was a... Yeah. Think about it, Abdos is following his reasoning. Abdos who does say that uh, that the Kayan Gadol you can use the clothing of the Kayan Gadol. The regular Kayan could use the four garments of the Kayan Gadol all year round, even to just to take away the ashes. Abdos is following his 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 line of thinking. Titus says at the end of the service of the high priest in Kippur, he should leave it there. Place them. Meaning you have to bury it. You have to hide it. Never use it again. They say, no, that's not what the Torah means. The Torah means the Kohen Gadol cannot use the same set of garments in Nexim Kippur. Hey, it was a nice set of garments. We learned already earlier, you used to spend a lot of money on the garments. So maybe you said, you know what, I spent so much money on the garments, maybe I'll use it every year. It's good. It's only I only use it a few hours. He says, no, you can never use it another Yom Kippur. But the rest of the year, a regular Kohen could wear it and use it. Let's conclude. Tell the rabbis and the rabbis learn. If the Kayan Gadol became defective, and they appointed his deputy, the first one, once he overcomes whatever the defect was, he returns back, he becomes back to Kayan Gadol. Shani, the second one, the deputy who stood uh, took over, he has all the obligations of a Kayan Gadol. 
What do you mean all the obligations? You can't marry a widow. So these are all then, uh, you have to have a psula, that's for sure. Right. Yes, he has to marry a psula. Yeah. Um, he cannot, he cannot uh, shave. He can, uh, right, he cannot grow his hair long. He can't, he can't do kriya. He can't mourn. He can't contaminate himself even to his father or mother, his close relatives. He has to do the service with all eight garments. Because a kayan who doesn't do the service with the proper garments, it's, it's disqualified. So he has to do, from now on, he has to act like a kayan god. If you're president for a day, you're president for life. Where does he learn all this? I mean, okay. That's opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yaisi argues, Rabbi Yaisi says, no. Yeah, the first kayan god is restored to his office. The second one cannot act as a kohen gadol. He can't be either one. He can't be either one. And he can't be a regular kohen. He can't put on four garments. He has to wear eight garments. But he can't wear eight garments either. And the reason is, we'll learn in a second. We'll learn in a second. And he became puzzled. And they appointed the deputy to take over. The rabbi said, And he explains why. Why can't he act as a Kohen God? Why can't he wear eight garments from Meva? Because of jealousy. Hmm. The Kohen God, there's two presidents running around. <laughs> two people running around with eight garments. It, it's jealous. There's only one God, there's one Kohen God, and there's one. What is this, two? Kohen head, yet. So why can't he act as a Kohen head, yet? Because he can only go up, he can't go down. And once you become high priest, that's it. Where else are you going to go? Taste was asked a question. Taste asked eyes in the question. I don't understand. When you said you, you just contradicted yourself, you said that the reason why the Kohen Gadol can't do wear eight garments. I mean, the deputy who became a Kohen Gadol for a day can't wear eight garments is only because of Eva, because the Kohen Gadol would be jealous. In other words, really he is a Kohen Gadol. Really, he should be wearing eight garments. Then you're telling me the reason why he can't do the service. He can't do the service like a regular Kayan, and the Kayan God is nothing to be jealous. He, he, he resumes his regular Kayan, he puts on four garments. It's because he can't go down in holiness, he can only go up. What do you mean? If he has the, if biblically, he has the status of a Kayan God, he must wear eight garments. He cannot do the avoid of four garments. Just like if a regular Kayan does the service without wearing all four garments, it disqualifies the service. So if, if biblically he must wear eight garments, because once he became a Kayan Gadol for a minute, he becomes a, he's like a Kayan Gadol for the rest of his life. He has all the laws and obligations of a Kayan Gadol. So he must wear eight garments, just like a Kayan Gadol. Can a Kayan Gadol do the service with only seven garments or four garments? No, it disqualifies it. So, so too, the deputy should be disqualified. No, you say you say the only reason is because Milam Bakaidish will That's not the reason. Nothing with Milam Bakaidish. He can't go down. He can't go down because his, his Aveda would be disqualified. If he's only wearing four garments, his Aveda would be disqualified. Right. So therefore he answers. So Taisus says, no, you could. There is a way of removing a Kangal from office. Just like you appointed him. 
verbally appointed him, the king appointed him, whoever appointed him, so too there is a way to, to disqualify. You, no, you could remove him from office. The same way you appointed him, the king appointed him, whatever, you can also t- remove him from office. You can remove him from office. No, he never lost his kingdom. You can remove him from office. So therefore, he could really, biblically, he could, there is an option, he could he start wearing all four garments. Hmm. We're finishing. So he says, we continue in 13a. Allah follows Rabbi the law follows Rabbi Yaisi. That the first one goes back and the second one doesn't do anything. <laughs> Early retirement. And yeah. waits in the wing. If the guy will dies, he'll become the next guy. Why did Rabbi Yaisi? Rabbi Yaisi agree. But what if he went ahead and, and did put on the four garments? He didn't mind the fact that the Kohen God was jealous of him. Why would he not say this? Why would he not say this? The law follows If the first one dies, he becomes the Kohen God. If I go to Pshita, obviously. Obviously. So, you would think, no. We should disqualify him all the way. He should never be, like they're trying to do to, to Donald Trump now. He should never be able to be president again. Because if you're jealous of him, if you hate him, you're jealous of him, if knowing that he could be president, all day you're going to be thinking, oh, he's going to be praying that I should die, so he should be able to take over. So you're going to look at him, you're going to, he's going to become your enemy. So you would think, maybe he's saying, you know what, you're never going to become a Kohen Gadol. So the Kohen Gadol won't be so jealous. No, that far we don't go. If the Kohen Gadol is so sick that he hates a person so much, that he, even after his death, he can't stand that he should be the Kayan God after him. You know what? Then, then let him die. <laughs> We're not worried about that. That's so much to that extent that he's Ava, his heart, he can't stand another prayer. He's so jealous and that he thinks he's he thinks that the coin this deputy is gonna start praying for him to die. I mean, come on. So that you don't have to worry about. Tais was asked another question. Why does he have to tell us the laws like Rabbi Yaisi? You might have asked many places, what's, what's, what's the relevance? This whole discussion is after the temple is destroyed. Wow. What, what are you asking me what Allah is? Are you asking me what happened? Fine, it's an argument in Torah. Halacha, it's not practical. Halacha means what do I do? It's not practical. There's no base Hamikdash. So what's the question? What's the Allah like? So Taisu says there is a difference there. The same scenario. The president of a community. And something happened, he became disqualified. Let's say he got ill. So they had to appoint someone else. So he said, Allah is, the first one, once he gets better, you have to put him back in. He don't lose his job, you have to reinstall him. But you also have to pay respects to the second one. You have to treat him respectfully. You can't just treat him, once he was a president for a day, you can't just treat him like everyone else. Mm-hmm. He, has to, he has to be an honorary. You have to treat him with an honorary respect. We finish here. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos.